You're listening to The Higher Ed Marketer, the podcast for marketing professionals in higher education. Join us every week as we talk to the industry's greatest minds in student recruitment, donor relations, marketing trends, new technologies, and much more. If you're looking for conversations centered around where marketing in higher ed is going, this podcast is for you. Let's get into the show. Welcome to the Higher Ed Marketer Podcast. My name is Troy Singer. And I'm Bart Kaler. And today we have a special episode for you because I get to turn the camera on my co-host and friend, Bart Kaler, because today we are highlighting his new book, Chasing Mission Fit. But before we get into our episode and our conversation, would love to highlight a previous review that we had and encourage our listeners to drop reviews, especially if you're on Apple, and to give us a five-star rating. Yeah, it's so important, Troy, because I think that that helps the podcast get discovered by other people, and it just also just helps other people understand what they're getting ready to get into. And so it's very valuable. We have a one from M. Fontaine, uh, five-star, that says, fantastic resource, always learning something. Short and sweet, but uh, that really means a lot to us, and we appreciate that, M. Fontaine. I am very grateful that I am always learning something, too, and I think we're going to unpack that during the show today. We are. So today is fun for me, although my current co-host is making me drive solo. <laughs> no, I'm not going to say making me. I get to drive solo, but it's for a very special reason, because in mid-February, he is going to be dropping his first book. It's entitled Chasing Mission Fit, A Marketing Guide to Fill Your Institution with Students Who Succeed. We had the conversation, and as usual, and we're now coming back and doing the intro And I feel I had a great time first going through the background of you writing the book and then taking everyone of what they're going to learn if they read the book. Yeah, we just kind of uh, unpack it chapter by chapter. And you did a great job interviewing me for this. And it's been fun to be on this side, although a little bit intimidating. So I think this will be a, a great episode for everyone to enjoy. Everyone, here is my interview with Bart Kaler. Bart, you know more so than anyone what this first question is going to be, and that is, please share something that you've learned recently that our listeners would find funny or interesting. Yeah, this is kind of weird to be in this seat, Troy. Um, so I, I, I will tell you, though, I was uh, listening to a new podcast today. It's called Generation AI. It's on the Enrollify Network, and it's a podcast that's just kind of talking about what's going on in generative uh, AI and higher education. The host is is Artis Kadu. He'll be on the sh- podcast in the next few weeks. And yes, he's been on the AI Summit and he joins it with Dr. JC Bonilla. And what I liked about it, what I learned on there was uh, they were kind of doing some predictions for what was going to be in 2024. And what I learned was that no one really has a clue on what's going to happen with generative AI. I listened to the two of them talk. They both had a different perspective. I, my perspective was different than the two of theirs, and another podcast I listened to last week was different from all of us. It's interesting that I, I'm learning that when it comes to a lot of things, I don't think really anybody understands really what's coming because it's all coming so fast. As we buckle up, we'll, we'll see what happens. Well, I think something that all of you do agree is that even though you don't know where it's going, 
it's very important as higher ed marketing executives to embrace it, to experiment with it, to get on board, to make sure yeah. you're not left behind. Yeah, totally agree with that. That is definitely one thing that I do know. Well, I am so excited, overly so, that I'm a little nervous that we get <laughs> to promote your first book, Chasing Mission Fit, a marketing guide to fill your institution with students who will succeed. So if you would, before we get into the actual chapter-by-chapter chapter breakdown of the book, Bart, can you share with us what the pivotal moment was or the insight that you had that you feel this book had to be written and shared? I've always had a dream of writing a book, and I, I don't know where that came from or why I've ever had that. I just, I remember actually going to a a seminar probably 20 years ago. And part of the questions was, you know, what's a big goal that you have in your life? And I mentioned something about writing a book. I had no idea what I wanted to write about, but it's just, I've been fascinated by that. And so I think for me, you know, coming up on, you know, a little over 35 years of, of experience in marketing, I'm very mature in my career now. And I've learned a lot on the podcast, you know, hosting you and I have learned a lot on 150 episodes. And, um, I don't know. I just started feel realizing that I might have something to say and I felt like I needed to get it out. And you know, and, and you and I share this passion. I'm a first gen student. Education has made a huge difference in my life. And I, I feel like part of my calling is, is to help schools really do the best job that they can to put the best foot forward for, mar for marketing, for higher education. And I've got a passion for some of the smaller underdog schools. When I put this book together, I really was thinking about if I can't talk to every one of those schools, how could I talk to them? And it came in through a book. And so I tried to take a lot of what I've learned on the podcast, how I've distilled some things down, best practices that I've seen in my work over the last you know, 14 years, specifically in higher ed, but then also over the course of my career with corporate and everything else. I really felt like I had something to say, and I had the opportunity to do that this year. So that's, that's kind of why, why I wrote it. If you could, what would be something that you've learned along the way that was a positive that you didn't expect to come from writing the book? How much I really had to say. In all transparency, I had someone help me. Uh, I had a, a ghostwriter help me because I realized that with my schedule, I had a lot of great ideas, but actually sitting down behind a, you know, a, a computer screen and just typing it out was going to be pretty hard for me. And I've learned over the last couple of years to really lean into my team. I've learned that I'm much better when I have really talented, smart people around me. And so I, I had a woman by the name of Danielle Howard who reached out to me and happened to hit me at the right time and happened to intrigue me at the right time. And uh, she just did an amazing job of walking through with me step by step to really help me get everything out of my head and into a, a format and into a, a place that I could really tell my story and, and, and share what I had on my heart and organize it and help me kind of put that together. Well, that is wonderful. And along the same line, can you share any unexpected challenges or revelations you count, encountered by writing the book? I, I think that uh, one, of the, one of the challenges was just being able to be confident in what I was saying, to be honest with you, to be fully vulnerable and transparent with as much as changing with all that's going on in higher ed. And I can only imagine what some of our listeners are dealing with, you know, being on the front lines with their schools and with with the challenges of the enrollment cliff and so many of the other headwinds that are coming. I mean, just the, just the nature of generative AI and what that's going to change. I think that change management, as Brian Piper mentioned on a recent podcast that we had with him, is going to be one of the biggest 
challenges going into the next 12, 18, 24 months. And so just having that confidence that, hey, what I was sharing was going to be useful and helpful. I mm-hmm. think that we are all kind of dealing with that in this time frame where there's just so much change. It's hard to kind of feel like what we're saying and, and to have full confidence in what we're doing sometimes is where we are. And so I think that maybe what I was experiencing in writing the book is something that everybody's experiencing because there's just so much to keep up on. And so I hope that what I wrote in the book will help people kind of get a keel and an even keel going forward and how to kind of think through some of the marketing for their higher education institution. Well, I'm sure it will. I have been blessed to be a part of a group that you released the book to so we could go through it and offer feedback, maybe even offer a review. I've noticed that a lot of the conversations that you've had or having in the book not only come from your experience, but also come from some of the conversations we've had with our podcast guests. So I guess that's a guess if you could verify that if any of the conversations that we've had has influenced you, influenced your teachings, influenced what you put in the book. Yeah, I, I def- definitely think it has. And, and I've been blessed that uh, Ethan Braden, uh, former CMO at Purdue and now at, at Texas A&M, is writing the forward for the book. And uh, I, I, I've learned a lot from him. He's been on the podcast a couple of times. I've learned a lot from all of our guests. But a lot of names kind of creep up in the book where I actually reference the podcast and reference the guests. And I think Guy Kawasaki makes, a, makes an appearance in the first page. But I, I think that, you know, you and I have been so blessed that, you know, I, we were joking the other day that I know that we are the, there's at least two people, or three, maybe if you count Rob, but there's at least two of us who have listened to every episode of the podcast mm-hmm. because we've been a part of it. And it, you, you can't uh, help but be grateful for the, the amount of learning that you and I have done. Because I was looking at the uh, podcast stats just for this year, we had nearly 2,000 minutes. And you multiply that out by almost three years. I mean, you and I have had like 6,000 minutes of professional development just by engaging with our guests. And that's pretty incredible. And so, yeah, a lot of that ended up coming into the book. A lot of the concepts, a lot of things that I've heard on the podcast and then tried in real life with, with clients and with partners really has proved out to be valuable and really working. And so a lot of that is in the book. Wonderful. And we've had over 150 guests on the podcast. And so that knowledge is in the book. But also, I'm going to give you some credit because a lot of the feedback that we get is how you're able to go back and forth with our podcast guests. And you also lean into or on your 35 years of experience within higher ed marketing within this book. Can you just go into that a little bit? Yeah, I think uh, a lot of people already know it, but I, you know, I started my career in kind of the corporate. I was in a design studio in Dayton, Ohio, and I was very fortunate that I had the mentors and the opportunities that I had in 1992. I mean, they just put the max on the desks of professional services of, of design agencies and ad agencies. And I had the opportunity to kind of come in and understand how, how those worked and be able to bring that skill set, but also be able to, you know, uh, learn very quickly. And I moved up pretty quickly in my career during that time. And, you know, I opened my mouth early and, and said, hey, I think this web thing might be something that designers ought to look into. And, you know, 1994, I ended up doing my first website. And through that and through just this, you know, this desire to learn and desire to try things out and the willingness to, to kind of stick my neck out, 
I, I think that I've had the opportunity to learn a lot of things and, and to, you know, then apply what I learned. I mean, I remember doing work for Motorola and RCA and, and, and big consumer brands. And at the same time, I was doing, you know, my alma mater's website for Anderson University. And I, I'd go to Chicago for Motorola and I'd be in their war room and see how they were planning on advertising to the millennials at that time. This was the late 90s and, and what they were doing to get the attention of these teenagers for these new things that were these cell phones that you could take pictures with and send messages. And nobody understood how to do that. And we were developing content to help explain that. And as I was pondering it, I remember driving home one day, you know, it was a four hour drive back and just thinking about if they're actually doing that and, and spending a lot of money and, and focusing on how to get the attention of these teenagers, that's kind of the same thing that Anderson's trying to do or that these other higher ed institutions are doing. And so I started looking at things and realizing that, oh, I could learn something from what was going on in this industry, but then apply it over to this industry because it was the same audience. And mm -hmm. so that was one of the things that I learned that, that I've, I've tried to instill into this book is, you know, taking cues from other places that you might not recognize it or you might not be familiar with it and, and trying to learn and how everything works together because it's one big ecosystem. I think I forget who we had on the podcast recently, but we were talking about the idea of taking a lesson from what's going on in other places and applying mm -hmm. it to higher ed is, is something that I try to do in the book as well. Well, Bart, you have, and what I would like to do, because you always remind me in our conversations that either from the book or from the podcast that you want people to take practical or have practical takeaways that they can take and then implement, if not right away, soon thereafter. So what I would like to do is take you and our listeners chapter by chapter. I'm just going to say the title. And if you could give a brief response into what that chapter is about and maybe either a takeaway or what the reader will be able to find within that chapter. Chapter one, the enrollment cliff is real. Yeah, we kind of unpack in the first chapter the idea that, you know, we've got this demographic cliff coming. It's also called the enrollment cliff. And things are going to change in a drastic way. And while it's not dire, it does require a different way of approaching your marketing. Uh, you know, there's going to be a different set of potential students. There's going to be different ways of reaching those students. And it's vitally important for you to understand what's unique about your institution so that you can find those mission fit students that will ultimately succeed at your institution. So that really goes into the, the understanding of what the book title and the subtitle is, and then really kind of unpacking that in a very practical way as it relates to the enrollment cliff. Thank you. Chapter two, money does not equal better market. Yeah, I work with a lot of small and medium-sized schools, and many times I'll hear, oh, woe is us. We don't have the same budget that the big boys have, and boy, if we did, we wouldn't have the problems that we do. And I, I think that's a, that's a false way of thinking. I think that um, creativity comes from leveraging and using the resources that you have as opposed to looking at across the fence and seeing the, the greener pastures. And so really what we try to unpack in Chapter 2 is looking at different ways of how to be effective in the way that you're doing things and look for, you know, solutions that fit your budget as opposed to just saying, well, we really can't do anything and throwing up our hands. We try to kind of unpack that. And I try to show some practical examples of what that is. Along the same lines, chapter three, marketing on a shoestring budget. Yeah. On chapter two, if we get into explaining why that doesn't work, chapter three gets a little bit more pragmatic to say, 
hey, here's some ways that you can do it. And here's some examples of, of what's working for other schools and how you can really be effective on even a shoestring budget. Chapter four, brand awareness versus lead generation. Yeah. One of the things that I've learned is that a lot of times people that are in the marketing seats, and I don't think anybody that's listening to this podcast falls into this category because I think you're constantly learning and, and trying to do your own professional development. But I come across a lot of people who have a misunderstanding about what marketing is. Sometimes they think it's all promotion or they, they think it's all advertising or they think it's all, you know, it's one thing or another. And I think that part of what's confusing to people is the idea of brand awareness, which is putting the billboards up, under, helping people understand and kind of have top of mind your institution versus lead generation, which is actually getting people to fill out a form so that you can market to them. And so we go into chapter four to really kind of explain what that is, why some is good, why some works a different way, how they're different and how you kind of have to have both, but you have to have that brand awareness where it's most effective in your mission fit audience. The titles have been pretty self-evident up until now. Chapter five, don't be a short order cook. <laughs> I think you know where that came from. Many of I our do. listeners know where that <laughs> come from. But I remember Ethan Braden on one of the podcasts explained to us the concept of how marketing uh, departments in schools can be either driven or be drivers. And to explain that concept, he used the, the concept of being a short order cook, which is somebody who's driven by everything. So you're being told, hey, make it look prettier and, and, and get it to me by Monday. And you're just basically taking orders and going crazy. Or you can be the chef who is kind of the driver that says, here's what we're going to do. This is the reason we're going to do it. This is the data that supports what we're going to do. And you actually drive the marketing forward for your institution. And so we explain those concepts in chapter five with a very heavy nod to Ethan and, and his concepts that he shared with us on the podcast. Very good. The next four or five chapters go into what you describe as the four pillars of marketing and how it relates to enrollment marketing. So chapter six, pillar one, enrollment-driven websites. Yeah, I kind of get into, there are four chapters, but it really goes into three legs of a stool, if you will, three pillars. So those are enrollment-driven websites. And so I get into chapter six, talking all about how website is kind of like that first you know, first door to your institution and how critical a website is for your marketing and, and the best practices therein. And then chapter eight, we divided up the second pillar, which is content. And so I believe that you've got to have an enrollment-driven website. You've got to have content on that website and a content engine that you can kind of keep those things. And we go into not only creating that, but also then how to market that in those two chapters. And then that third pillar is the idea of lead generation. So driving people some way back to your content, through your content, to your website, to kind of do that full cycle of, of creating leads and creating, you know, for an enrollment website, making sure that your admissions team has people to talk to. And so getting into chapter nine, we talk all about the strategies for lead generation that's beyond just, you know, a lot of people think, oh, that means pay-per-click advertising. Well, yes, that's part of it, but there's so many other ways to generate leads into your funnel and we get into some of those practical tips and how marketing plays into that in chapter nine. Very good. So again, yes, we have gone through your three pillars and thank you. Chapter 10, advancement marketing. Yeah. So most of the book is really focused on enrollment marketing, you know, getting students into your school and how, how to go at the top of the funnel from suspects all the way into matriculated and ultimately graduated students. 
Chapter 10, I spend a chapter at least kind of doing a nod to the fact that there might be a lot of people that are not only doing enrollment marketing, but also doing marketing for advancement or development. And I get into kind of explaining what those, what those terms are, but it's basically the donor side of, of the institution. So, you know, whether it's your year end giving or your capital campaigns or donor relations, chapter 10 kind of gets into the other types of marketing that are in the institution beyond enrollment. And so we spend a chapter kind of explaining the best practices therein. Thank you. Chapter 11, creating waves and think differently. Yeah. So chapter 11, I try to kind of summarize everything and talk about the idea of you've got to be willing to do things differently. You've got to be willing to kind of understand that, you know, creativity and marketing and higher ed, while you can borrow a lot of things and you can do a lot of things, it is a different type of marketing. I've, we've talked to so many people on the podcast and I've talked to different people individually that, you know, I remember um, Brian Kenny on episode 50 from Harvard talking about how he believes that higher education marketing is the most difficult marketing there is. You have so many constituents, you have so many stakeholders, uh, you have so many diverse types of stakeholders. And so I really take chapter 11 to kind of in, encourage innovation in marketing, encourage us to think differently and to be willing to try new things and to follow the best practices that we see in others as well. Wonderful. And then finally, chapter 12. You can do this. Here's a roadmap. That's my rah-rah you know, cheerleader chapter where it's <laughs> like, okay, you've come along for the ride. I'm going to encourage you and we're going to kind of map out how you can take what has been put in the book, how you can apply that to your institution, whether it's a small institution, a micro college, or whether it's a big flagship. Here's a roadmap for how you can kind of implement the best practices in the book. So it, you know, it's also my cheerleader, rah-rah, you can do this. And I truly do believe that every institution has the ability to do really successful higher education marketing. That is wonderful. And as I think about it, and we've been talking about institutions, but I could see this sitting on the shelf of individuals that they can go back to on an ongoing basis, especially either those that are new to the community or maybe someone that's going from department to department, or they wear a few hats because they're at a medium or smaller size school. Yeah, I really tried to make this. And, and as you mentioned earlier, I'm all about pragmatism and, and practical application. And so I, we worked really hard to make this an evergreen book. So while they, there are some references to, you know, technology in the book, don't expect to find, you know, how to use chat GPT in this book and, and don't expect to find, you know, 16 ways to leverage Google analytics or, or while we touch on things, this is designed to be evergreen, as you said, to be on a be on a bookshelf, be able to be pulled down and be just as relevant, you know, in January of 2024 to, you know, July of, of 2030. I intentionally tried to write this in a very pragmatic, practical, evergreen way. Well, I know that this was a personal and professional journey for you. Would like to know, now that we have went through the book, what are the two or three key takeaways that you would like people to get from the book and then make a case of why you feel that it would be worthwhile for someone to purchase and learn from? Yeah, I have this passion and almost this burning belief that I think that every institution has students that will really succeed at your institution. 
And you might be down in enrollment. You might be frustrated that you are not getting the students that you think that you need to get. It's not that they don't exist. It's just the fact that they don't know about you and, and they might not understand or know how to find out about you. That's your job as a marketer is to get in front of them and figure out where they are. It's, it's kind of like a, you know, you have to hunt your students and, and you have to understand the watering holes and where they are and, and the kind of student that you're trying to attract. It's, it's kind of like, you know, you and I have talked before about when you go fishing, you can either, you know, a lot of places like to fish through a, a trawling boat where you just drag the net and grab everything. We're talking about kind of more of a fly fisherman where you, you've got to know the environment. You've got to know the temperature of the water. You've got to know what bugs are, are starting to hatch right now, what flies are hatching. You've got to take all that into account and then actually go fish in the way that those that's going to attract those types of fish. And so I really hope that people can walk away and grab practical advice, practical tips, some best practices, and start implementing that to see their institutions turn around. I also hope that this is something that they would find beneficial to learn from and to read, and then to actually have discussions around and, and to be able to chat about it and to learn from others. It's just another I'm a big believer, and Troy, you and I both are, that you know, professional development and learning and ongoing learning, that's why we do the podcast. That's why we did the AI Summit. This is just another part of that higher ed marketer professional development role. And we've got some new things that we're rolling out in 2024 that are going to help people to kind of really do that one-on-one -on -one and do it, to, but also do it in a group. I tell a lot of people, and I also tell you how grateful I am to be able to have discussions with you on the podcast, to be your friend. We started out, you were a customer. I feel blessed that I'm able to learn from you. And I honestly feel through this book that others are going to feel blessed once they do purchase it and go through it. They will also feel blessed. As others have said, they feel blessed as they listen to the podcast. Now, kudos to you. You have achieved the goal. You wrote the book. so. Kudos. But now let's let, yeah, and that's a big accomplishment in itself. But I want to help get it out to people. So, in full transparency, we are sitting here. It is mid December, and we anticipate this podcast being released in the latter part of January. When will the book be released? The book is going to be released on February 14th. And so if you are listening to this podcast right now, more than likely you've been seeing some LinkedIn posts. Maybe you've got an email from us. There's probably been opportunities that you've seen or at least started hearing about the book. So there are certainly ways that you can pre-order the book right now, but it will officially be launched on February 14th. Wonderful. And we also have a new LinkedIn group in preparation for the book, but also another way for us to be able to have conversations with the people that we meet along the way, both guests, but also listeners, and uh, connect them together, to connect us with them, and to go through the book together. Can you explain that? Yeah. So we've always made a habit of, on every episode, we always talk about, you know, if somebody wanted to continue the conversation with you, what's the best way to get in touch with them? And we always give them their email address or some way to, to connect. We started thinking a little bit more about it. And it's like, you know what? We could create a LinkedIn group. We need to kind of create a community where those conversations can happen one-on-one -on -one within a group. I mean, you can DM people in the group or you can actually have, you know, post a question or, or start, you know, having a conversation about this week's episode and, 
and actually have a conversation with the person that was the guest. And so we went ahead and created the, the higher ed marketer LinkedIn group. And you, if you are a regular listener, or if you subscribe to the to podcast newsletter, you'll be getting an invite to that if you haven't already. But again, that's just someplace that it's, you know, community, we're all about community. And this is an opportunity for us to extend that community out where it's, it's something that we can all be a part of. We had such great community at AMA and, and some of the other conferences that we've been at that uh, just this felt like the next, uh, next place to let this roll out. So that's, that's what that's all about. Wonderful, Bart. Now, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit later with your final thoughts, which is usually about the guests that we just interviewed. So now you're going <laughs> yeah. to have to give the final thoughts on you. <laughs> but also, we end every conversation with our guests by asking them to share a piece of advice that once listened to by a listener could be implemented soon after hearing it. What would that piece of advice be? I think that piece of advice would be, maybe it even goes back to what I said at the very beginning. It's being willing to be vulnerable and realizing that, you know what, I don't, I have a hard time keeping up or I don't quite understand everything or I need help or I just need to talk to somebody. I do a lot of work with consulting with a lot of schools and a lot of fractional chief marketing officer work. And I have found that sometimes the most valuable part that people actually need, especially those in leadership, is just being able to talk to somebody about the challenges that they're going through and, and being able to kind of have a safe place just to say, you know what, I don't really quite understand what I'm doing, or I feel like a poser sometimes, or I feel very unsure of myself. And I, like I said earlier, the change management is going to be so hard. We've got to be willing to surround ourselves with people that we can be honest with. And so if anything else, I would just say, take a second to either go and thank somebody that you can that you have in your life that allows you to do that. Or if not, find somebody that you can be, you know, transparent and honest with. Sometimes that can be a colleague. Sometimes it can be a friend. Sometimes it can be somebody that's, you know, knows enough about it, but it might be at a different school so that you can be a little bit more transparent and just find people that can help you. And I think that that's going to be one of the things I would say, you know, this afternoon, write down five people that you can think of and either send them a thank you note to say thanks for being that person or hey, could we get together and just chat sometime? I just need somebody that I can bounce some things off of. Thank you, Bart, for being that person for me. And I know others in the small circle of friends that we have. And you do that for me. So I'm grateful for that. Wonderful. Before we go into tears, I'm going to <laughs> say, as we always, um, so again, Bart Kaler, co-host of the Higher Ed Marketer podcast. <laughs> but today we're putting the spotlight on because he is going to be dropping his new book, Chasing Mission Fit, a marketing guide to fill your institution with students who will succeed. Other than the new LinkedIn group that we just let people know about, what is the best way for those to get in touch with you if someone would like to do so? I am on LinkedIn all the time. So LinkedIn, it's just Bart Kaler. You can, I think I'm the only Bart Kaler out there. There might be one other guy that I came across who races motorcycles. But anyway, you'll find me in LinkedIn with higher ed. And then also just Kaler at Kaler-Solutions.com is my email address. Kaler with a C. Yep. Bart, we've had a wonderful guest today. And I know it can be hard for you to talk about yourself, but do you have any final thoughts that you would like to share with our guests <laughs> or with our audience? I just think that it's been a pleasure. It's, I, I have a new respect for all of our guests. 
for being behind, <laughs> being in this seat. Um, and I'm sorry for being all... ornery because I do know that. So, but I'm being ornery about it. But yeah, go ahead. but I I do appreciate you being patient with me, Troy, and and letting me have an opportunity to share some of my passion with this book and with the audience. And and I just you know, and I and I don't say this; it's going to sound self-serving, but I really do hope everybody can read it. I think that I'm grateful for the opportunity to have the platform that I do. And I do think that uh, there are some ideas that I've learned from a lot of people that could help institutions move forward with their marketing. So as people read it too, I would just offer myself, if you have questions or want to dive into a concept deeper, I'm always available. Wonderful. I concur. Others will benefit from reading what you've written and shared. The Higher Ed Marketer podcast is sponsored by Kaler Solutions an education marketing and branding agency, and by Ring Digital, the ad targeting people, precisely and accurately serving ads directly to the handheld and household devices of the people on your physical mailing list. Also want to send a shout out to our producer, Rob Conlon at Westport Studios for helping us each and every week. On behalf of our guest and my usual co-host, Bart Kaler, I'm Troy Singer. Thank you so much for joining us. You've been listening to The Higher Ed Marketer. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. The Higher Ed Marketer is a production of Kaler Solutions and Ring Digital in partnership with Westport Studios. Views and opinions expressed by guests on The Higher Ed Marketer are their own and may not reflect the views and opinions of their organization. Know someone who's a mover and a shaker in higher ed marketing? Visit www.higheredmarketerpodcast.com and click on our Contact Us page. We'd love to have you tell us about them. Until next time. 